following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. Take your sermon notes, open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4. Slander. Slander, defined as the defamation of character by oral utterance, false charges, misrepresentation. Slander is definitely one of people's greatest fears today. And the reason for that is because we live in the cancel culture, right? Uh, We live in a society where Instagram and Facebook Social media give the most immature, the most vindictive, the fleshly, the naive, the phony Christian a platform in which to destroy people's lives, a voice to slander. The worst in the church and those who are the hateful in the world have a platform on social media to destroy. This was not true 20 years ago, but it is true today. They have a podium to slander others. Anything can be said about anyone. Feel this tension, if you would. Over trivial things, a student who doesn't like a teacher, an employee who doesn't like an employer, a servant who doesn't like their ministry leader can overstate, attack, raise questions, undermine confidence, and really seek to destroy or hurt another person. Half-truths, distorted facts, filtering evidence with an agenda, elevating one negative aspect of their character or personality, emphasizing one small aspect of their character, and ignoring their heart, overlooking their intention, dismissing the focus of their entire life. Slander can kill, destroy. Slander is alive today. Slander is destroying people, believers, missionaries, ministries, And the father of all slander, the devil himself, loves it. Absolutely loves it. You say, why do you call the devil the the father of slander? Because the word devil means slander. He's the the originator. Those who do this are doing the devil's work, and they're doing it the devil's way. It's evil. You say, you protest. What's the big deal, Chris? Come on. Uh, you know, just everybody does it. Get used to it. You, you just have to develop a tougher skin. Friends, it's not about being tougher skinned. Understand, God expects Christians, those who have been born again, those who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ under his grace, he expects them to live in such a way that points to Christ. That means that it's genuine, that there's character in their life. Now, character doesn't matter in our world anymore, but it matters to Christians. It matters to those who follow Christ. And understand, to believers, it's our way in which we influence for Christ. And so God expects all Christians to live above reproach. You are responsible to live above reproach. Now, understand, what does that mean? It means that not that you're perfect, not that you don't have any glaring, you know, basically, you know, struggles, etc. But there are no glaring character flaws. There's no massive, aberrant violations of Christ-likeness. No obvious areas of moral uh, violation. All believers are, Philippians 2.15, take a look at it in your outline, to prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, what? Oh, come on, say it, what? 
above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, all Christians among whom you appear as lights in the world. All Christians, all elders are above reproach. Character does matter to a believer. Character forms a reputation of trust, and a reputation of trust can be hurt by slander. Today is a dangerous day to live. It's very unique in our day, very unique, that the platform to slander has been created for everyone, everyone. I have 30 amazing stories, no kidding, no joke, no exaggeration. I'll share two of them with you. Are you ready? This is just, you know, in my world, the pastoral world. So I, I know a pastor who is super enthusiastic. People would say, hey, I like the color green. He goes, yeah, green's a good color. And other people would say, hey, I like the color blue. And he goes, yeah, I, I enjoy blue too. Okay, so he's that kind of guy, just an agreeable, happy dude and a solid Christian, solid preacher. And then at his church, there was a Christian daughter of a prominent family that, that wanted to uh, basically marry an unbeliever. And uh, because the Bible restricts that and refuses that, he also said, I will not marry this particular, you know, couple. Well, the prominent parents then attacked the pastor. They called him duplicitous. They say, well, he, he tells people he likes green, and then he tells people he likes blue, and so therefore, he's duplicitous. He's a liar. He's a deceptive. And they turned the focus off of their daughter marrying an unbeliever to his character, and because it was embraced by enough people, it ended up resulting that he had to leave the church. The church never recovered from it. And basically what they did is they turned the focus off, to the, off the real issue to focus on something else. You see how slander works? Interesting enough, uh, there's another friend of mine who uh, is known in ministry. He had an article written about him about his finances, attacking his financial integrity. I, I know the guy, and uh, this same man, whenever he had extra money, gave it away. He actually tried to take a second on his house to help a, a poor pastor. He was one of the biggest givers at the church. He had the gift of giving. He was always giving stuff away, even to his own detriment. He was and never motivated by money or greed at all. That was not his problem, not his issue. He had other issues, but not that. And the article was so well-researched, logical, seemingly proving his greed and worse, and all of it totally, completely, because I know this guy absolutely wrong in every way and yet we live in a day where people can write those things declare those things and slander has a platform are you hearing me that's what's going on today and you, there are steps that you can take in which to help that on the pastoral front and maybe on your front as well to keep slander from bearing its fruit of ruination uh, but even these steps will not be foolproof you need to understand i i teach pastors all the time Never counsel women alone. Never drive alone with another woman except their wives. Try not to be alone with people you counsel when it's really you know, heavy and de dealing with difficult issues. Deal with um, you know, difficult stuff. Talk often of your love for your wife. Uh, make certain that you're re in reality you really do adore her. Uh, easy for me. Try to be deathly honest about your many weaknesses, your many flaws, your many sins, your many shortcomings, your many struggles. Work hard at hiding nothing. Be open about everything, no matter what the cost. Live the same, act the same, talk the same. Everywhere you are, make sure that you just, you know, are who you are. You live a life of integrity. And you do all you can to be filled by the Spirit and not to live in the flesh. Uh, and let that do don't let, let that dominate your discussions. Why? Because slander is so destructive. You have to take steps today so that it doesn't have a platform to take root. Does that make sense? 
You have to do it. You have to do that in your own jobs, in your own workplace, at your own school. And if it's allowed to flourish in any community, not just the church, slander will poison that community, poison that body, and ruin a church. Do you understand? Slander, the defamation of character, the false charges, the misrepresentations that shared ver- verbally, that slander, is typically not about what's true. Typically not. But it's what accusations actually stick or are embraced. Whenever people embrace tidbits of information and begin to question character, then slander begins to do its work. That's what happens. Now, friends, these are friendship circles, okay? This is church. This is your workplace. This is your school. This is all these communities. It's always the same, all right? And whenever people embrace these tidbits, begin to question character, the enemy then, uh, you know, his technique is to use people to keep throwing out hard questions, Uh, to unfounded attacks, raise issues, until one of those statements sticks. Once it does, where people think that might be true, then slander is embraced. And once it's embraced, it destroys unity, it destroys trust, it destroys respect, community, and spiritual health. Now, listen, this is good for you to hear, because I don't know of any slander campaign right now going on in our midst at all. So this is really good. So there's no agenda here. But understand, Satan does not want you to hear this. Okay, he does not, because I want to tell you how he works. Are you ready? So you can identify it. When Satan attacks a church, what he will do is he'll get the tares to attack and God's children to naively repeat slander. And the enemy will keep throwing out accusations, even crazy ones, ideas, questions, exposing weaknesses, until something is said that sounds plausible. Once it sounds plausible, once a slander statement sticks, that's what I call it, sticking, plausible, then people think, hey, that could be true or it is true, then the result is destruction. The result is people are destroyed. Leaders are in question. Peter, uh, people are not trusted. And their reputation is ruined and their ministry is weakened. Slander is devastating. And it even can be things that are true. Are you with me on this? It can be true. Dojo, one of our elders, he's short. He's always looking up at people. That's probably why he sells drugs for a living, Right? You could go down that road and all of a sudden make all these conclusions. I have gray hair. Why? Oh, Chris must worry a lot. He's not a man of faith. He probably wishes he could sell drugs for a living. You know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Understand, you go down that road and you begin to speculate and that's how it takes root. So understand, slander does not have anything to do with healthy confrontation of sin. We're not talking about not talking to people about issues. We're not talking about that. This is different. Slander is different than that. Healthy Christians do confront each other. There's a big difference between slander and discipleship. Take a look at your notes there in your outline. Slander is to speak about someone to others. Confrontation is speaking to someone privately. See the difference? And and we welcome that. Christians should welcome that when someone comes to you privately. Slander is to condemn others. Confrontation is to correct others. Slander is destroying others. Confrontation is disciple others. Slander is blasting others. Confrontation is building up others. The moment you don't talk to someone, but talk about them, you're in danger of being a servant of Satan. Did you hear that? You might want to write that down. The moment you talk about someone and not to them, you're in danger of being a servant of Satan. The slanderer by defamation, by false charges, by misinformation. Understand The moment you condemn, instead of privately confront, you're damaging others. You're doing the work of the devil. And that is why James says what he says 
in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. You say, Chris, why are we talking about slander? Because James is bringing up slander. That's why. Take a look in your Bibles. We're working our way through this book, verse by verse. We're now at verses 11 and 12, and we're just walking it through. God's determining the topic here today, friends, not me. And this is what the topic is. And look what he says. Take a look at it, and let's read it out loud together so you can kind of feel the weight of it. Verse 11 and 12, they're in your outline so we can read it in the same version. Here we go. Ready? Do not speak against one another, brethren. Who he speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, James is telling us several strong truths that you need to take to heart here. Number one in your outline, slander is an attack against Christians. Slander is an attack against Christians. Take a look at what he says in verse 11. Do not speak against one another. You want to circle that verb. That's the main verb, do not speak against. Okay, and then he says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother. He's talking about Christians speaking against other Christians. Now, you notice the words there, brethren and brother and brother, right? Right there in the first verse. He's talking to Christians here. And he's saying, Christians, make sure this is not a part of your lifestyle. James is reminding you and me that we are a family. And we enjoy an incredible relationship with one another secured by the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for your sins made you born again, so now that we have a unique relationship with one another. Can I hear an amen to that? So this family relationship, we're supposed to love each other, we're supposed to protect each other, we're supposed to undergird and build up each other, not tear each other down. And that's what James is saying here. This is not indicative, and it shouldn't be a part of our relationship. James is talking to so-called Christians here who speak against so-called Christians. Now, does this you know, find its way in the scripture. Well, yeah, it does. Let me give you some examples. Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses, their brother, for marrying a Cushite woman. You know, you should have married a Jew. You shouldn't have married a Cushite. Uh, Israel spoke against God by complaining about their conditions in the wilderness. Psalm 50:20 says, a wicked person will speak against his brother, slandering him with lies. And Job's buddies spoke against Job, crushing him with their words right? Crushing him. James is telling every one of you Christians that if you speak against those members in the family of Christ, not to them, but about them and slander them, undermine them, then you are now a part of that group that is called the rebellious mumblers, the moaning grumblers, the deceitful slanderers, the crushing insulters, the wicked slanderers in the Bible. You are in bad company. Are you getting it? That's what he's saying. You are in bad company. You don't want to be that person. Now, you know how the game works. You talk down against somebody. Why do you talk down about somebody else? Come on. Why? So you can build yourself up, right? You can feel better about you. You're better than them. So you tear them down, hoping to lower their estimate. And of course, you have to cover it up with really, um, what do I call it, um, creative sentimentality. You have to cover up your malicious intent with some kind words. So you, you'll say something like, now stop me if I'm wrong, but. Right? Or, or, now, you know, I, I don't mean to be critical, but, 
right? Or, or perhaps I shouldn't say this about him or her, but, or, or I really like so-and-so as a person, but, okay, are you with me? You, we cover it up. So the singular main point of verses 11 and 12 is that main verb there, do not speak against your brothers and sisters. And the meaning of the verb is speak against is simply to slander someone who is not there to defend themselves. It is to run them down, to speak down in order to build yourself up. I'm better than them. It's, it's their fault. Look at them. Don't look at me. It's an evasive. It's basically taking the focus off of you. The verb speak against is seen whenever there's a willful accusation, exaggerating somebody's faults, even by the needless repetition of their real weaknesses. In other words, the focus of this compound verb is basically there's a preposition attached to the verb, which is down. And so what he's saying is you're speaking down at them. You're pushing them down. You're demeaning them. And you're deliberately calling attention to their imperfections or pointing out their weaknesses or minimizing their strengths. It's a very hostile verb, and it basically means to put others down, to erode their position, their character, their trust as a Christian. And in doing that, you're doing the work of the devil. And again, the work of the devil, that word devil means slanderer. That's what it means. So from just seemingly innocent as passing on tidbits of information which destroy the good name of someone to the intentional ripping apart and shredding others with accusations against them, slander in the Bible is evil. It's evil. Now understand, remember what James is talking about here, right? James is giving you the tests of whether you're truly born again, right? The tests of faith. Is this a real faith, a faith that works? Or is this a phony faith? And he puts this in here to make sure you know that the ongoing slanderer is basically manifesting that they might not be born again. He's saying that's not indicative of a believer. So the verb speak against here is the only command imperative in this entire two verses here. And it's in dramatic contrast to the ten commands that we had last week about what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved, what it means to come to Christ and true conversion. And so he's talking about in verses 7 to 10 to turn to Christ in humility. Well, the opposite of humility is right here. The opposite is the present tense ongoing sin of slandering Christians within the context of the church. So don't forget, James, again, is presenting those tests, and he's basically telling you that if you want to determine whether you have a genuine saving faith or phony faith, he's saying in contrast to the humility of verses 6 and 10, if you look there, understand he's now revealing one way that humility is not seen, and how it's not seen is when you defame someone, when you slander them, when you misrepresent them, when you distort information about them. Are you getting it? That's what he's saying. So those who slander as a way of life are exposing that they're characterizing, if their life is characterized by condemning others, they're exposing an unregenerate heart. Or, are you ready? A massively unrepentant, disobedient heart that's ready to be spanked. Because so, God's not going to let this go on. He's not going to let you, as his child, continue in the work of the devil. He's not going to do it because he promises, doesn't he, in Hebrews 12, that he'll spank his own. Yes? So he's going to do that. So think about what slander does and then remember what Jesus teaches about how we should not damage other people. What does he say? He says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depth of the sea, drowned into the depth of the sea. Better to suffer a horrifying death 
than to damage another Christian via slander. That's what he's saying. So what makes it so bad? Well, number two in your outline, slander is arrogance of heart. It's arrogance of heart. This is James, and he says at verse 11, don't speak against another brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges a brother, now the second half now, verse 11 we're looking at, speaks against the law. Sometimes you could say to help you understand that that would be the word, it would be the truth of God's word, the law here, and judges the law. But if you judge the word or the law, you are not a doer of the word or the law, but a what? You're judging it. And you say, what in the world is he talking about? James is telling you in verse 11, to the slander a believer does two things. One, it breaches against God's law. It's a breach against God's law. And two, it's an infringement on the very rights of God himself. See, what do you mean? <clears throat> slander speaks against the law or speaks against God's word. Meaning slander is contrary to God's word. You say, in what way? Well, he says the law, when he says that, he's not really talking about the law of Moses. He's really not talking about the traditional laws of Judaism. He's what we're referring to as the law that he's been talking about in this entire epistle. And if you've been with us, you know that he's talked about the royal law, the, the, the law of liberty. And what is that law? Do you know what that is? Are you ready? Make it simple. It is the law of love. The law of love. You're violating the law of love. Listen, when you slander someone, are you loving them, yes or no? Oh, come on. No. You're not. Slander breaks the law of love. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, if you do unto others as you wish to do to you, then you will not slander them. You, you don't love somebody that you speak against. You're violating the law of love. You don't love someone you intentionally or unintentionally tear down or discredit or misrepresent. If you do, James says, you're not a doer of the word, but you're above the word. You're above the law. You you, when you slander, you set yourself above the law. I'm, I'm the, I know, I know what, everything's going on, and I can say whatever I want to say, and you've made yourself a judge of the law. But understand who you are. Will you remember who you are and remember who I am? Uh, your nature as a true Christian, my nature as a true Christian, your calling as a born-again believer, we're not here to judge the law, right? We're here to what? Obey the law, love the law, follow the law. We're here to obey the word of God to love the Word of God, and to follow the Word of God. Can I hear an amen to that? That's why we're here. So we're not to be above it, we're to be under it. And James here is bringing up the horrible habit of judging others, which is, again, going hand-in-hand hand with slander. Slander and judging do go hand-in-hand, hand, speaking against a sister and judging her, or slandering a brother and condemning him. The Bible repeatedly condemns speaking against and especially judging the heart motives of someone else. Now, judgment is about motives. It's guessing. Who knows your motives? Answer? Come on, tell me. God. Guys, you're talking to your wife sometimes and she's talking to you. You don't even know what's going on. Where did that come from? What, what come? You know what I mean? You don't know their heart. Are you with me on this, anybody? Sometimes you're just you're having a conversation with somebody. You go, I don't know. what. Where's that coming from? What do you mean by what you say? We don't understand that. We don't read into people's minds. Sometimes we wish we could, but we can't, right? Only God knows. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying, basically, you don't judge, you're not supposed to judge someone's motives. What does he say in Matthew 7, 1? Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Do you know what that means? Let me tell you. Are you ready? It means do not judge so that you will not be judged. That's what it means. And Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge, now watch this, this is so 
unbelievably wise. For you who judge, what? Practice the same things. You know what he's saying? He's saying when you're pointing your finger at somebody and you say, you're this way, and you're this way, you're this way, you got three fingers pointing right back at you. And often what this verse means, are you ready? This is scary. When you're accusing someone else and slandering someone else, it's typically your issue. It's typically your issue. And you're trying to guess who they are. You can't do that. Primarily, the judging you and I are to avoid is guessing someone's motives. And now you're, you're, you're not technically judging when you say, okay, I understand. You're not technically judging when you say you're a thief after they just robbed a bank the other day. Are you with me? Obvious behavior is not judgment. You're just going, you just did that. All right? That's not judging. People, stop judging me. You know, I, I stole this car, but stop judging me. No, no, you stole the car. Are you tracking with me? Judging has to do with guessing someone's intention. That's what he's talking about. Not obvious behavior. That's different. Obvious behavior. I mean, you know, you're not judging your kids when you, you just obeyed me. You just, you're not judging them. That's just obvious behavior. So understand, you don't know what's in someone's heart. Why they did what they did. Only God does. Slander often is an accusation of motive. What James is saying here, an assignment of evil motive or attacking a person's inner character, you're assigning motives to them. You're focusing on their weakness while ignoring their life commitment, their character, their gifts to the direction of life. Anyone who speaks evil of his neighbor has appointed himself as a judge over them, a judge of the law, a judge of God's word, and giving himself the right to break that law by, in the very act of slander, and therefore they're condemned. Why? Because they're a hypocrite. They're a hypocrite. They're saying, you love, I love God's word, I, got, I love God's law, but I'm not obeying God's law by slandering you. So they're a hypocrite relating to love of others. The law says, love your neighbor. Love them. But if you slander, you violate that law, and at that moment, you're showing utter disregard for God's perfect plan, perfect will, and his word, and you're setting yourself up as superior to God's word and God's will, and therefore you're not submissive to God's word as your authority, and James is saying when you slander, you're disrespecting God. You're disrespecting God's word to point to where you see God's way of living as unworthy for you to follow. You're actually violating. Don't talk about someone. What do you do? Talk to someone. Don't talk about them. You say, well, I'm uncomfortable. I'm sorry, you're a Christian, you have to do it. That's, that's what we're called to do. It's not for somebody else to do. This is, this is classic, we'll get to this in a minute. Number three in your outline, slander is acting like you're God. Slander is acting like you're God. You're advancing yourself above God. You're assaulting God's authority. Verse 12, what's he say? There is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and to destroy. The Bible tells us to run from this. Run from this. What does Jesus say in John 7, 24? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with what? Righteous judgment. That means judgment according to the Bible, right? That's how you evaluate. You evaluate according to the scripture. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 2, now, now watch this verse. Look really carefully at this one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Listen. You, as Christians, we don't judge those who are outside of Christ, uh, those who are unbelievers. We don't do that. Do you not judge those who are within the church? Yes, we do. You say, what do you mean? Well, you, you mean motives? No. What's he say? But those who are 
outside, non-Christian, God judges. Now watch. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. This is the guy sleeping with his mother-in-law. That's not, that's, that's obvious behavior. And he's saying, you're evaluating that, and that person needs to be disciplined. That's, that's an obvious issue. So to be clear, James isn't teaching you to be gullible or permissive or letting people walk all over you. To be clear about that, James is teaching here, there's a big difference between confrontation for the purpose of building up and condemnation for the purpose of tearing down. There's a big difference. And by placing yourself above the law, the slanderer attempts to elevate himself above the only true lawgiver and judge, God himself. So this is like Satan, who expresses his pride. What did he do? In Isaiah chapter 14, he said, I will, like five times. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above God. I will make myself like the most high. Well, the desire to slander is basically saying, I will do what I want. I will act like God. I will make these kind of core decisions. And basically, it's the essence of pride. And it's the core of all sin. And sin seeks to dethrone God and remove him as the one we are accountable to. So this is what slander assumes, that that you know everything. That's what slander assumes. You know everything, that you know better than God, and that you can make those evaluations. So you negate him as the only lawgiver and the only judge, and you dismiss your responsibility of having to answer for your, you know, him to, for your entire life as the only judge, as the only lawgiver. And you're trying to rule in his place. You're doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do, and that's why he's called the slanderer. Are you with me? You elevate yourself above him. Remember, the Bible teaches that sin misses the perfect character of God, and sin also violates God's incredible law. And slander takes sin, though, to a whole new level. It seeks to establish the sinner as God. You're the authority. You're the one that knows everything. So what he says, James does, in verse 12, pointedly declares, literally, there is, this is the literal rendering of verse 12. Ready? One is the lawgiver. One is the judge. He's saying, there's only one, not you. Okay? Are you with me on this? He is God and you are not. Can I hear an Amen. Yeah, that's right. And what he's saying is there's just one of them, not you. He's the only one who can make the rules, we answer to. He's the only one who's capable of righteous judgment. Christ is the one who puts the law into place, the one who applies the law. God alone gave his law. God alone is the judge. God only knows the hearts and motives of men. Only God does. Only God can perfectly apply the law. So verse 12, there is only one lawgiver. There's only one judge, the one who is able to save and the one who is able to destroy. What he's saying there, God is the only one who can save you and rescue you from your sin. And God's the only one that you have to answer to. He's the only one. Only one. God alone is able to save those who put their faith in in Christ and bringing them home to heaven and God alone is able to destroy all unrepentant sinners into the torments of hell forever. God alone. One God. Don't ever forget, Christian, only God knows all the facts. One more time. Only God knows all. Only God can read a heart. Only God knows what's going on. Only God knows the motives of any person, driving any person. Only God can lay down the law. Only God has the absolute power of life and death, heaven and hell. How foolish is it to think that we could do otherwise? That's the point. This is why you and I must give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, even our court system, as flawed as it is in these days, our modern court system gives people the benefit of the doubt, right? Innocent until what? Proven guilty. That's right. So Christians, be equally charitable. To our brothers and sisters, innocent until proven guilty. Focus on the strengths of others. Esteem the difference in others. 
Look at Christians as a part of the whole body, as a spiritual organ in the body of Christ. Change your lens and how you look at people. Listen, y'all have a liver, right? Y'all know what your liver looks like? Anybody? You know what it looks like? It's dark and gooey and slushy and uh, it's it's ugly. It's uh, the liver's ugly. It's an ugly organ. But wow, doesn't your body need the liver really bad? Are you with me? You need it. So if you're saved, you may be ugly and gooey, right? But you're needed in the body of Christ, right? If you're the liver, we need you as ugly and as gooey as you are. And, and though you may be filled with weirdness like a liver, you may have, you know, gray hair or be short, okay? But we need you to function in order to be a part of the body of Christ, right? So thank the Lord for his contribution of, of those who are different for his glory. Yes, Talk to others, not about us, but talk to them concerning issues that you're disturbed about or that are wrong or, or, or the, those things that you can't get over or, or you might think they're damaging the church. But never allow issues to exist between you and another person. And as far as it depends on you, don't delay. Go to them. Go to, don't talk about them. Go to them. Write that down. Don't talk about them. Go to them. Go to them. Never, 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 never talk about them. James, is, is he being unclear here? Come on. He's not being unclear here. He's telling you that the sin of slander is not a trivial matter. In fact, slander, what he's trying to tell you here, is a brazen treason against the sovereign God of the universe and against the only judge of the universe, Jesus Christ himself. So James concludes with this pointed challenge. Number four in your outline, slander is assessing motives. It's assessing motives. Those who slander expose their own heart. Slanders have an elevated view of their own importance. And so James, he does, what he does at the very end of verse 12 is he nails slanders to the wall. I mean, he is super pointed here. Look at what he says in verse 12. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Now, this final indictment packs a real personal punch in the Greek. Uh, it's, it's actually stronger in the Greek language than it is in English translation. Basically, what he's saying there, are you ready? You there, who are you to judge your neighbor? How would we translate this today? Very simply, are you ready? Who do you think you are? And then, or we might say, a proper translation of this passage. Who made you God? That's what he's saying. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me and to you and to all of us who are Christians, I say to every one of you not to think what? What, what? More highly of himself than he ought to think. Added Romans 14.4, who are you to judge the servant of another? Think about this in terms of just another believer, not a slave, but just another believer. To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. If he's a Christian, he's going to stand. He's going to make it to heaven, Right? Understand, judging the motives of others and putting others down in slander is the opposite of humility. It's right in contrast to what he just said in verses 6 and 10 when he actually said humility is the pathway to conversion. He says that. And James just told us this is necessary for genuine salvation. So who do you think you are? Speaking down at a person Christ died for? Uh, those who habitually slander and gossip and judge others cast a very strong doubt, James says, as to the genuineness of their salvation. That's what he's saying. That's why it's here. That's the author's intended message. 
you are casting a massive doubt as to the genuineness of your salvation. It's one of the tests of faith that James gives. So let's take this home, all right? Let's let this transform our lives. Let's, let's build in some behavior that we depend on the Spirit of God to make this true in our lives, but understand, let's build into this. What, what would that be? Let me, let me give you some points. Letter A in your outline. Ready? Feel the fear of being the tool of the slanderer. <clears throat> Feel the fear of being a tool for the slanderer. What that means is the father of all slander uses make-believers, phony Christians, and foolish believers, immature believers, to destroy Christians and churches with slander. The name devil, again, means slanderer. Fear being his tool. Fear that. Most often, it is the proud self-righteous, thinking that they're standing for what is right, who do the greatest damage of all. You want to understand self-righteousness? Just look at the Pharisees. But there are believers today that think that they're above this. And they think their cause is just. They feel justified in talking about someone and free from the biblical command to talk to someone. And therefore, never forget, Christian, that even though you're born again, you are capable of doing great damage. You and I are capable of doing great damage. Talk to people, not about them. Disciple, don't destroy Encourage, don't extinguish. Confront others personally. Never condemn others slanderously. The slanderer, the devil, wants to use you. So fear becoming his hitman using his gun called slander. That's what he does. Don't do it. Letter B. Think about others biblically. Okay? Fear that, but think about others biblically. Every true believer is a saint who sins. You might want to write that down. You want to define a Christian as a saint who sins. Uh, true believers flee sin and pursue the Savior every single day. Can I hear an amen to that? Yeah, you, you flee sin. The great apostle Paul called himself, present tense, right now, currently, at the end of his life, the chief of sinners. I am currently the chief of sinners. If you love someone... The Bible says you will trust them, for love believes all things. But in trusting others, never forget, no one is above sinning, and no one is above doing damage or doing evil. So how does that work out practically? Well, let me give you just what the Bible says in the New Testament. Accept one another. Believe the best of believers. Work at focusing on their strengths and not their weaknesses. In your mind, celebrate their giftedness, meaning how they uniquely put Christ on display and serve him. But never forget, even the best relationships are messy. Every husband and wife knows the word messy. Family and friends, brothers and sisters, are you ready? Will hurt you. They will let you down. This is not aberrant. This is normal. Normal. That's why Christ forgave you of your horrific sin so you could learn to forgive others of their lesser sins. You say, what do you mean by that? Have they killed you physically yet? Then your sin doesn't measure up to the sins against Christ, correct? And why did he forgive you? So you could learn to forgive. That's what he did. That's what we do. Get over it. Why Christ forgave you. No Christian has arrived. Can I hear an amen? No one has arrived. No believer is above hurting you. No saint will ever be perfect. 
This is not negative. This is life in the church on earth. Don't be paralyzed. Be free. Trust everybody. Be thankful. Don't be paralyzed. Thankful for God's grace in their life. Focus on the way the Spirit uses them for His glory in the church and in the world. Focus on that. That's what I focus on. I love you guys. This is incredible. I only look at you in those terms. No joke. I don't, I, I'd never forget you're capable of horrible things. Never forget that. But I, I don't ever look at you that way. I'm like, man, this is another guy who can put Christ on display, another gal who can put Christ on display, that I'll never be able to do that. They could show off Jesus. Are you getting it? That's how we look at each other. And fully embrace each other until through their mouth or through their actions, they give you reason not to. Then what do you do? Are you ready? This is point. We write this down. This is incredibly important. Get over it! First thing you do, get over it. Give them grace. You say, Chris, that's not biblical. Oh, yes, it is. First Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, I just have to confront them. Now, get over yourself. Come on. How many times have you done that yourself? You start thinking about it. You're like, eh, okay. Yeah, I, I think I can just still keep loving them. That's fine. You know, but if you can't, and that's not possible, then what do you do? You talk to them, not, say it with me, you talk to them, not about them. And never forget, you're the same. You're in process. You will fail. You will disappoint. You will mess up, even with gray hair and even if you're short, okay? So forgive each other. Forgive each other. Move on. I personally assume the worst, that I'll never forget the potential that people have for sin and slander, but how I live is I focus on the best of everyone, and honestly, as a church, you guys are super easy to love, super easy. I don't ever have to work at it, well, rarely. Maybe Jason in the front here, I don't know, he's, <laughs> he's falling asleep, I don't know, whatever's going on, I don't know. Listen, don't confront them until they show you something different, and then evaluate can i can i get over that can i can i let that go can i love them in spite of that and then if it eats away at you and you can't do it and you can't stop thinking about it then go talk to them and sometimes you'll you'll build a friendship that'll be lifelong it's just in talking to them it's not like i gotta go around and confront people no just go love on them and go i don't understand this and typically what you're going to hear is oh i'm so sorry Man, I never wanted to communicate that to you. And oh, I, I just, I love you. And, and, and there's just a restoration of relationship most often. Most often. Letter C. Do guard your mouth from slander and stop slander when you hear it. Ask, did you go to him? A ask that in conversation. Did, did you speak to her personally? If not, stop talking. I bet, and you've heard me say this before. Uh, my Filipino pastor friend. Okay, it was awesome because I watched him do it. So he, he grabs, you know, Megan comes to me and she says, I want to talk to you about Jason. You know, and he, Jason's this, Jason's that. You know, she's going, and he, he stops him right there. And she grabs Megan. Okay, sorry, Megan, to do this to you. Drags, drags her all the way over here to the front and stands her, Megan, in front of Justin and, and Jason, excuse me, and, and says, and says, Megan has something to talk to you about. And then he walks away. <laughs> I love that. I do. 
That's my kind of Christianity. It's like, stop putting up with this stuff and just go talk to them. Just talk to them. That's what the Bible calls us to do, right? Matthew 18, right? Matthew 15, 18. It, it's, it's just if your sin, brother sins against you, go and talk to him. Just go. This is what we do. It's normal. It happens all the time. Make a commitment to guard your mouth from speaking slander and guard your ears from hearing slander. It's a difficult but very crucial commitment. And letter D, know that Christ alone can free you from your sin now and forever. Know that Christ alone can free you from your sin now and forever. You cannot live for Christ without Christ. And you cannot, cannot grow in maturity without dependence upon the Spirit, walking according to the Scriptures itself, obedience to His Word. And the biggest problem, are you ready? The biggest problem in the churches that James is writing and the biggest problem of the church today, are you ready? This is it. Come on, write it down. Is phony, self-deceived non-Christians who profess to be Christians. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Know the joy of Christ. Know Christ in relationship. Know Christ in personal intimacy. Not just that you prayed a prayer in the past. You made a decision. You, you stood around the campfire at camp and you, you made a commitment. That was thousands of years ago, but there's no fruit in your life. Listen, you need to pursue Christ. You need to make certain you're in Christ. You need to turn from your sin and repent and put your faith in Christ and be born again, transformed internally so that you would know him. That's the only way you're ever going to make progress with your mouth. And that's why James says it's a test of your faith. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word uh, thank you for uh, just your love and the way that you teach us through James and, and what you're challenging us with our relationships with one another. We pray, Father, that you would take your word and that you would make us uh, be more like your son. And Father, if there are any here who don't know you, that maybe you would even use the fact that they've been hurt by slander or they've slandered others to repent of their sins and to turn to you in faith and to turn to you in repentance, and to know what it's like to be born again. Father, we pray that we would be a, a body of people who, not just in our church, but also in our workplace and in our school, would really gauge what we say, especially when we find ourselves talking about others in a demeaning way, misrepresenting others. Help us to see how your heart is concerning that and pray that you would change us and mold us and make us to be gracious in our words and to be building in our words and to get over our self-righteousness and to trust in only your righteousness. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast and a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.